All right. Our text is Psalms chapter 22. We got started on that. And what my plan is, we did start on it last week, is um, to try to take us up into Easter, getting close to Easter. Hopefully we're through with it before Easter. But uh, the cross. At Easter time we celebrate the resurrection. Now, actually, the cross and the resurrection should be thought of and preached throughout the year. And uh, without the resurrection, then the cross is futile. The cross was, uh, was very important to our eternal life, but so was the resurrection. Without the resurrection, what do we have? And so, I'll do some review uh, this morning, and then we'll get into it. But our text is Psalms uh, verse, uh, chapter 22. And so, let me start again here with verse 1 through 3, and then we'll have a word of prayer. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Those are hard words, folks, when you think of that, that it's Jesus saying them 2,000 years later. He says, why? Why art thou so far from helping me? And, and, and from the words of my roaring, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy. Thou art holy. Oh, thou shalt. <clears throat> you know, when we think of the holiness of God, that the idea of this crucifixion did not change his holiness one bit when it was his only begotten son on the cross. Put yourself in that place with your own child. And so, he says, Thou inhabitest the praises of Israel. The Lord still inhabits praise. My friend, let us just really meditate on this for the time being. And by this I mean, we're going to preach on it, yes. But I want you to take it home with you as well. As you go throughout the week, put yourself in the place of Jesus Christ, if you would. It's of utmost importance. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, as we pray here, I'm asking you for just that holy utterance that you give that does not allow one soul to be indifferent to the Word of God. I don't want to be the power. I want you to be the power in my voice that not only holds the attention, but the very Spirit of God that takes the message home to the heart. 
and uses it, Lord, to save lost souls, to edify the saints, but particularly to glorify your great name. Father, use this time in your word to draw us closer one to another. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Our text is a prophecy. The whole Psalms 22 is a prophecy of the cross. 2,000 years before it happened. There are those today who say that there are many roads to heaven. Well, people who say that are blaspheming two things. First of all, they're blaspheming the gospel of Christ, therefore blaspheming God. And they're blaspheming this chapter of the Bible. And understand, he's exalted his word even above his name. Oh, how important is the word of God. And yes, there are people who say there are many roads to heaven. Let me tell you two things about those people that say that. They may know about Christ, but I doubt they're truly saved. Because if you know the gospel, you know there's only one way of salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. I've heard presidents say there are many roads to heaven. But my friend, no, there aren't. That is both heresy and a person like that can only be religious. But not saved until they actually receive Christ as the only Lord God and Savior. It's their only eternal hope. And that's true for anyone. We are seeing Jesus in his humanity with the surroundings of a cruel cross. We're seeing him, as we told you last week, he became what we are. The first Adam, Adam, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. We're made up of spirit, soul, and body, and we, as we told you, the spirit is the seat of our intellect, where we make those great decisions of life. It might be marriage. It might be a job. It might be a move. It might be so many things. Surgery, should I have it or should I not? It's in our spirit those things are contemplated. God is a spirit. That's the image we were made in. We weren't made in the image of a body of God or of a soul of God. We're made in the image of God, and God is a spirit. John 4, 23 and 24 says. So since God is a spirit, we were made in that image. It wasn't until he breathed into the nostrils of that man that he had formed from the dust of the ground that it became a living soul. As we told you last week, at death, our spirit separates from our body. But each of us are born, headed to hell, 
Because the word death does not mean ceasing to exist. It means separation. At death, your soul is separated. Your spirit is separated from your body. Adam was made at a time where he had spirit, soul, and body, but never sinned to the day he was tempted. Jesus is a quickening spirit, the Bible tells us, the second man, the second Adam we sometimes say, the last Adam, the Bible says. That last Adam, as the first Adam, was made, except he was made inside the Virgin Mary. He's called the seed of a woman because was not the seed of a human man, but the seed of a woman is what God placed inside her and formed in her, but he's the seed of the woman in that he received nourishment from her human body to his human body while she carried him that nine months. He was the seed of the woman. But Adam, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, but Jesus was just as human with a spirit and soul, a human spirit, a human soul. We call him the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. But because he was not the seed of an earthly man, he was born in a way that none of us have been born. He was born without sin, without a sin nature. So when he's on the cross saying, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, that soul of ours is the seat of our emotions. The seat of our emotions loves. It, it laughs. It has joy. It is grieved. It can hate. It can be angry. And then there's the flesh. The flesh usually does what's dictated by the spirit or the soul. But you see, you've got to understand the spirit and the soul are corrupted. And therefore the flesh is corrupt. You can lust, that is desire, something that is good. Or you can lust for that which is evil. A baby is born and it's taken home and it begins to cry. The flesh of that baby is saying to its soul and spirit, I'm hungry. And so the soul helps that baby to cry, which notifies mom to feed the baby. Spirit, soul, body. Jesus had that. So when he's on the cross, and you see, my God, why, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, we, as we said last week, when he was in, in the wilderness, tempted 40 days and 40 nights without food, the Lord sent God, his Father sent angels to minister to him. When he's in Gethsemane and sweating those huge drops as if they were blood, he sends his angels to minister to him. But now he's on the cross and he's crying out, my God, my God. Why? Why hast thou forsaken me? Why, why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you listening to my roaring? 
I've heard people say, why did God allow this to happen to me? As if they were so righteous, it should have never happened. Jesus is that righteous. He could have called 12 legions of angels. But in that righteousness, he had a mission. He had a mission to come to this earth to die for you and for me. We are seeing Jesus in his humanity. We're seeing a soul speaking through his flesh, through his tongue. The very things that you and I would feel. And yet, his is without sin. His is without corruption of, of words, a filthy spirit, an old sin nature, for he has not one. We see, as we look at him, his love. The love that you and I have, maybe for a child, for your spouse. But that doesn't even come close to the love of what God has for us. And so as you look at those three verses there, Think of what the soul of Jesus is feeling. My God. My God. He's always been ministered to. Why hast thou forsaken me? Why art, art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. Oh my God. I cry out. I cry in the day time, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and thou and am not silent. You know what that makes me think of? Someone had a very similar experience. Crying out to God. Listen as I read from Job, Job chapter 23, verses 8 through 10. Behold, I go forward, and he's not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth, he hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. You have to stop. Have you ever gone through a trial in your life and you just pray, you pour out your heart to God and you're asking for his help? And it seems like no help's coming. It's, it feels like nothing's happening to you. Oh, I prayed. You know, Jesus didn't have to confess any sin because he didn't have any sin. But he had my sin upon him. But so often we get, no, Lord, forgive me. I, I will do this. My first church, I pastored and the man was probably in his late 30s and he said pastor the Lord will just heal me 
I'll clean the bathrooms in the church. I'll do whatever he wants me to do if you'll just heal me. He is facing surgery where he had 50-50 chance with the cancer. And I said to him, I said, listen, God's not interested in making you deals because he doesn't owe it to you. So let me ask you this. Do you, do you, would you, if it's God's will, say, okay, Lord, if you're willing to take me, take me. He said, I don't want to consider that. What Jesus did on the cross. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That human spirit and soul of his. This guy said, I don't want to consider that. I said, then don't make a deal with God because he doesn't want to consider that. I've never done that before since. I just felt led at the bump to say that to him. When he said, okay, I'll give it all to the Lord. I said, okay, now, has the Lord ever spoke to you about doing something? He says, well, the Lord called me to preach. I believe he called me to preach. I said, so if the Lord takes you through this surgery and heals you, you go off to Bible college. Now, he was already an accountant. He was a CPA. I said, you'll go off to Bible college and, and pray and, and go there and, and study for the ministry. He says, I will do it. And he did. He went to a seminary. But here's the thing. In doing all of that, doing all that, he, they did the surgery. He could only talk in a whisper. He was getting ready to leave to go to college. I said, I want you to preach. I can't preach. I said, that's what the microphone's for. You know what? I think people listen better because they were straining to hear him speak. And he spoke like that the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. He went off. He's going off to college. And I said to him, I said, listen, give me a call when the Lord gives your voice back. I think it was around eight to ten years later, one of them pastor here that he gives me a call. He said, you know who this is? I said, man, I have no idea. He says, this is Ron. He said, to give you a call when the Lord gave me my voice back. See, the Lord just wanted him to finish college first, finish seminary. And he went on to minister from there. Now, what I'm saying is, is that Jesus didn't have that same opportunity. As you read there, he says in verse 10 of Job, after saying, no matter which way I look, no matter which way, Job says, no matter where I look, there's no help. He won't hear me. He won't answer me. He won't help me. But then he says, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Hey, you going through that time where the prayer's not getting answered? It's not happening what you're asking for? Jesus was tried. 
He asked for the cup to pass and it didn't happen. You say, oh, you really believe that? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and the weight which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The cloud of witnesses? You mean there's a bunch of people watching us? I don't think he meant that, a bunch of people watching us. I'm, I think what he meant was all these people. Read he, Hebrews chapter 11 sometime, and you see the things they went through. Their testimonies are witnesses to us. You don't quit. You keep on keeping on, regardless of the circumstances. Don't hang in there. Hanging is what clothes do on a clothesline. Stand up for Jesus. You're a soldier of the cross. The world can be intense. We've got an adversary. Who is the devil who walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? But our God is greater than that old serpent. And then he says in the second verse of Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, Endured the cross, despising the shame. The shame. Do you realize that we see pictures that aren't the true story? They hung those guys naked, completely naked on the cross. Despising the shame of all that sin upon him, placed upon him. But he did it. Why? For the joy that was set before him. See, that's faith. You believe what God says about heaven. You believe what God says about reward. And that joy will be greater than any pain, any suffering that you'll enter into in this lifetime. Even if that's the pain that takes you out of this physical life, you enter and see the very presence of Jesus Christ in his glory. If he is your Lord and Savior. He says, but thou art holy, and thou inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and in thee. And they were not confounded. They were not confounded at all. You see, they weren't. They weren't. They got that answer to prayer. They weren't like Job. That everywhere he turned, he wasn't getting an answer to prayer. That was faith. Jesus commended the faith of Job. 
never seen the faith of Jesus Christ. Besides all of those in Hebrews chapter 11. And so therefore, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, I think says it best. When he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of a man thought it not equal, uh, not robbery to be equal with man, but made himself of no reputation. Think of that. No reputation? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Creator, God, the angels, the greatest thrill an angel would have is for being able to be sent by Jesus to do something. And took on a human body with a spirit and soul. Unlike Adam, he was tempted in all points like as we are, like Adam would be, but he did not sin. He did not sin one time. That he might be a sacrifice for our sin. And so, he humbled himself And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But let me tell you something that so often is missed when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 1 John, the third chapter, we're told, we shall see him, but we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. Jesus in heaven has a glorified human body. Human spirit and soul. Now, he's also God. Don't, he didn't cease being God ever. But his human body, he's that for eternity. Why? Because I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. If you're saved, so are you. And in our humanity, we are joint heir with him forever and ever and ever. Living with him forever and ever and ever. That's why I said we've titled this sermon, this series, The Man Christ Jesus. He's the only mediator between God and man. Therefore, if you're here today, I ask you the question, are you 100% sure that if you died today, that heaven's your home? You see, when he was on that cross, it was your sin that was upon him. All the Roman soldiers and, and the others that are there, they did some terrible things to him. <clears throat> Very terrible. But that wasn't the greatness of his suffering. That's just what man could do. That's what demon-filled men could do. But after those first three hours of the cross, the skies turned dark. And then the Father takes over the judgment. 
and then judges all the sin of all time that's on his only begotten son who is a pure and holy thing. And he pours out almighty wrath that I don't even think the man in hell will have the amount of wrath on his soul and spirit that Jesus took for us. And he paid it all. All to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed white as snow. How can we not love him? He paid your penalty when he came off the cross. It buried him in that tomb. He rose victorious over hell and the grave. Revelation 1.18 says that he has the keys of death and hell. You want to escape the everlasting torments of hell where you don't cease to exist, where you can never escape? The only way is one said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. It's only by Jesus Christ. And you receive him as your Lord and Savior. You say, what does that mean? Sometimes I hear preachers say believe, and others say repent, and some say repent and believe. Well, the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 21, whenever we're preaching, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance towards God, all sin is against God and his deity. But Jesus Christ's humanity, it's our faith that he indeed did pay it for us. We don't think he lied about it. Repentance towards God. Well, how do I repent? I've used this illustration many times, so let me just do it one more time here. When I got married to my lovely wife, I didn't have to forsake a whole lot. I didn't have that many girlfriends. <laughs> okay. Uh, her list is about as long from there to over here, okay, of all the boyfriends. But what I'm saying is this. When I said, to thee and thee only, till death do us part. Sometimes we say, okay, I'll never divorce. That's not just it. It was to love, honor, and cherish till death do us part. When you're turning to Jesus Christ, you're forsaking your own way, men's ways, men's opinions, and you're turning to Him as the only Lord and God. And He is the head. You play the part as the bride of Christ to the submissive one. But you know what? As a good head, he listens to us. As a good head, he meets our needs. But the greatest thing, he was willing to die for us. That's the love he had for us. You're turning to him with your, your life. And he's giving you everlasting life while by his blood he cleanses you from all your unrighteousnesses. You believe God will do that for you? 
Hey, if you don't think he could do it for me, you don't know how bad I've sinned. Listen, that sin was on him that day and he paid for it. Yours is just to turn to him. Now, you don't turn to him for, as to be your Lord and Savior? You won't come to him? Then don't expect to go to heaven. You won't. He must save your soul. Won't you come to him? Now, in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to have people down here at the front that can open the Bible and show you how you can know that if you died today, that heaven's your home. But we can't do that if you don't come. God doesn't force anybody to come. But he came of his own accord to die for you. To reject it is to spit in the very face of God. Are you 100% sure if you died today that heaven's your home? If not, won't you come? Let's bow our heads, please.